You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, I want to just thank you so much for Dr. Pastor Zeno. You have laid your hand upon him. You have called him not just to clinical work and research work and analytics, which you have gifted him in, but you have also gifted him as a pastor and a brother and a soul winner. And so we look forward to learning through him what you have to say for us today. We come with hearts that are aching for our own challenges and for those around us. Please educate us, help us, and strengthen us to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let's, oh, good. I can hear myself. <laughs> I am very, very thrilled to be here. Thank you, uh, Vicki, for inviting me to be here. And uh, we're going to do something a little bit, uh, probably a little bit different than you are accustomed to. But I want to start off by saying the, the health uh, issues and the health message has been somewhat hijacked. Uh, in many churches, when people hear that there's going to be a health Sabbath, they start thinking, oh boy. <laughs> There's going to be this guy who is going to come and he's going to tell me about all the things that I'm not doing right. Anybody has had that experience? Yeah. And uh, they're going to force me to eat some food that I don't particularly like. Anybody's had that experience, right? And, and so we have, we have reduced this beautiful message into something that seems onerous, that people don't want to have to do. And today and this week, hopefully, we can unpack some of that so that we can revisit what health is about and what health is not about. So today we're going to be uh, looking and laying some groundwork as to how we can revision re and re-envision what God had in mind when he gave us this uh, health ministry. Well, in, in John chapter 5, we find a very interesting question that Jesus asks this man. He asked him, will you be made whole? Will you be made whole? I want you to talk to the person next to you, whether you know them or you're, uh, or you're now going to know them, and, and answer that question to your colleague. You have 15 seconds, let's go. Will you be made whole? If you're not sitting next to somebody, I suggest that you stretch across or look behind or something. So will you be made whole, sister? <laughs> Do you want to? Mm -hmm. Yes. So someone up here was saying, "Do you want to be made whole?" Does everybody want to be whole? Do you want to be healthy? Do you think God wants you to be healthy? OK. So we're going to start with that, with that premise, and we'll go a little bit deeper, and we'll tell you what we're going to be looking at over the course of the week. And I have a list here, and you have it in your, uh, in your program, your brochure, your guide uh, for this week. So I'm not going to go through the details, but from today onward, God willing, we will go through different things, looking at different kinds of diseases. Today we will not talk, talk about any specific disease, but we'll look, have a framework for how we're going to deal with things, okay? So a few basic ideas. First of all, uh, you need to understand this. We're not going to do any shaming, all right? 
I am not here to shame you into behaving. Amen. Amen. All right, good. I was looking for that. There'll be no blaming. Okay, we're not going to blame anybody. We're not going to blame your parents and your grandparents. All right? And we're not going to blame your kids. And we're not going to blame your pastor. And we will have no weird claims. Right? First of all, you need to know that I don't know everything. Amen? All right. I don't know everything. I can't answer every question. Uh, I am really very much like you. I experience things probably the same way you experience things. There are some things that I am really good at and some things that I'm not good at. And there are some things that I, um, I, I just have learned to trust God in a way that is very profound. And some other places, I, I seem to falter a little bit. Is that, is that your kind of experience too? Amen. Right? So we have, we have a common kind of experience, right? We, we're, we're together in this. So no shaming, no blaming, no wild claiming, but we will have purposeful framing. The way I'm going to put things together, uh, by God's grace, is going to be something that will help you, as it has helped me, to change my mind about how I look at things and to understand what God wants me to do by the application of his grace, okay? Now, I need to tell you, there is no righteousness by lifestyle. There is no righteousness by veggie burger, okay? You, you can eat all the veggie burgers you want. That does not make you righteous, right? We heard in the last talk, right? The righteous shall live by faith. Okay, so we, we have to, to, uh, to understand that we're not going to use health, whether it's physical health or any kind of health, uh, to beat people over their heads into being righteous. This was not the intention. As a matter of fact, if anything, it's just the opposite of that. It is because we are saved that we actually want to do the kinds of things that God invites us to do. He's inviting us to, to enjoy an abundant life. Okay? And he wants us to have that abundant life. And so he has given us instructions of things that will help us along that way. Make sense? Okay, so no righteousness by veggie burger. We're going to have high engaging, and that means I'm going to be asking you questions. And, of course, you're going to be asking me questions too, but I am going to ask you questions first. <laughs> okay? Uh, so, I'm going to try to engage you in your thinking. If, if you don't want to think, uh, you probably would find another seminar better right, than this one. And we'll have a definite aim. The aim is for me to help to inform you, to inspire you, and to get you involved in your own health, your own health journey, because that is what I believe God wants you to do. Okay? So, here's the first exercise. And if you're taking notes, this is a good place to, to stop and take some notes. What do you desire? Remember that question? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be whole? right? So what do you desire? What is your aim? Talk to the person next to you. Give just one reason why you wanted to be in this seminar during this camp meeting. You have lots of other choices. So talk to the person next to you. Let's see. We have 30 seconds so that you can say and they can say too. Now if you're taking notes, it'd be a good, it'd be a good thing to write down what your aim is, okay, what your goal is.
All right? And let's see if we can work with that. The next thing is what did you learn? This is something that in the evening, uh, before you go to bed, think about this. What did you learn today? Not just from here, but from all of the various uh, offerings that you have received during the course. Of, what did you learn? These are all things for which to be grateful and to make your gratitude list at the end of the day has been shown to enhance life. It allows you to sleep better and it actually allows you to be a happier, healthier person and you may even live longer. How about that? People who, uh, who show gratitude uh, live longer. Okay, so what did you learn? What are you convinced of? There are things that you're going to hear, there are things that I'm going to say, there are things that others uh, here will say that uh, may, may prick your heart and you become convinced that this is so. There are other things you'll say, I, I know that already, I, I don't have to worry about that, right? And there are some things you'll say, that is too good to be true, I'm not going to believe it. But by God's grace, there'll be some things that you'll be convinced about, and when you are convinced about something, right, this is a time to really allow the Holy Spirit to use that convincing to move you to action, all right? Because ultimately, that's where the thing is. And the action that God wants us all to have, really, it's his desire, and we're going to talk about that in a few seconds, is that we are willing to surrender to him. C can you imagine that? That the greatest action that we can have for our health, for our life, is actually surrender. Now, that doesn't sound like the kind of thing that people usually talk about when they talk about health. We talk about doing and getting the active exercise and, you know, eating right, and, right? Okay? But those things, those, those do's and don'ts, we will also be dealing with. Uh, but we have to understand what, what God's desire is, what is Christ's desire for us. So the question now is, do you think, do you really think, do you really think, not just is Jesus, is God interested in the health of people, but is God interested in your health? In your health. Now, you know, as you go through the Bible, and I have, I have a, a long series, which I'm not going to do, but uh, going through passages and seeing what God's desire is right there on the page, right? God desires for us to be with him. How does that sound? He wants us to be with him. And he has made all provision for us to be with him. As a matter of fact, the way things started out, we were with him, as we'll see in a few minutes, right? So here's, here's a series of texts. I'm not going to go through uh, all of these, but if you go through John 17, you will, you will pick up some ideas, and I, I strongly encourage you to look at John 17, use it as a pattern, so then as you can look at other texts and you will see the pattern of what is God's desire for us, okay? In this particular case, in John 17, you know the, 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 the John 17 chapter, this is where, where Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and he's praying to his Father about 
what's going to be happening. And he prays about us. Okay? So, in, in verse 2 of John 17, he says, Since you have given him authority, since God has given Jesus authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given to him. So if God, Jesus is saying that God has given to him authority and he desires to give us what? Eternal life. As opposed to eternal death. Eternal life. Verse 3. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus' desire is that we will know the Father the way he knows the Father. And he calls that, he makes the equation between that and eternal life. Okay? And eternal life is eternal health. Okay? So God wants us to have eternal health, not just earthly health, eternal health. And if we go further into the next uh, section, verse 7, now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. In other words, he desires that we really know that he is real and he came from God the Father. In verse 11, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. And then he says, Holy Father, keep them in your name. Jesus desires that we are kept in God's name. That we don't use his name in vain. He wants to keep us in God's name. Next, his desire in verse 12. I kept them in your name, this is the disciples. I have guarded them, verse 13, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. God wants us to have joy. Right? He wants us to to engage in, in, in his world in such a way that what we do is better than what we can imagine. Sometimes when we deal with health, people don't show what is better, they actually show what is bitter. You know? Uh, there are some folks, some, right, that you know, health is a burden, not something that is, that is better and enlivening and joyful. God wants us to have, uh, Jesus wants us to have joy. I have given them your word. He wants to implant his word in us. Verse 15, that you keep them from the evil one. You know, I may not have a heart attack, but Jesus even though he's interested in my heart, my physical heart, you know, the <laughs> that heart, right? He's interested in that heart, but he's interested even more in my eternal safety, right? Okay, next, uh, verse 16. They are not of this world. They are not of this world. We're just passing through here. Right? He says, he decides that we are not of this world. That we don't, we don't plant uh, too many stakes in the ground here. 
We're passing through. Verse 17, verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. He is sending us into the world. He, like the pathfinders, we are the pathfinders, strong soldiers of God, are we, right? Faithful as we march along in truth and and purity, right? A message to tell to the world, a truth that will set us free. King Jesus, the Savior, is coming back. For whom? For you and me. And, you know, that might sound like a simple little thing that the kids would sing, but it's, it's, it's packed with truth, okay? And this is God's desire for us, that we'll know the truth, and that will set us free. Verse 18, so I have sent them into the world. I will go, you will go, right? And verse 19, that we are sanctified in the truth and sanctified by the truth. And then there's the last screen that I have from John 17. And if we go to verse 21, that they may all be one. Okay? We should not let our diet separate us from other people in God's kingdom. We shouldn't let these kinds of things cause division among us. And you know, you know I, I have to mention, we're not going to let a virus or a vaccine or some vicious lie separate us. We should be pressing together. He desires that we are one. Verse 23, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you love me. Isn't that something? This is how we actually would have the witness to the world, that we're one. So when we have uh, things that divide us, even though there's going to be a shaking, all right, but the things that divide us, we ought to be very careful that is this really what God is doing or is it something that the enemy is producing among us. You know, I, I, have, uh, I have traveled, uh, by God's grace, all over uh, this planet. And sometimes to see wars between churches, one part of the city and the other part of the town, and they don't talk to each other, right? You go to that church, I go to this church, right? And sometimes I'm invited and I have to preach in both churches. So I have Friday evening here and Sabbath morning there. And it's like two different worlds. Okay? And what I try to do is to try to bring things together, to heal. Right? Sometimes within the church, there are factions. The people who sit on that side and the people who sit on that side. And sometimes when you go to potluck, you see the great divide. Right? <laughs> no, it, 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 it can be daunting. We shouldn't allow these things to happen. That is not what God desires for us. Verse 26, that they love, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The previous speaker was talking about the faith, Jesus, faith in Jesus, right? The love of Jesus that we have. The, the, the bottom line of health is actually love. That God loves us enough that he gives us instruction 
And he gives us power to do what we cannot do for ourselves. And I, I'm telling you as an expert, you know what an expert is, right? Someone who used to be a pert. <laughs> right? I used to think that everything was going right. I had it all, had it all down. And so now I'm an ex that, right? I realize, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace, just like everybody else. I may have gone to school and learned all kinds of things, and thank God I have to unlearn some of those things, right? So we're in this together. All right. So here's the thought for the day. Uh, Vicky, you have a mic. Can you, can you read... Can you read that for us, please? Uh -huh. It is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Think about that. Even with our best thoughts, even with our sanctified imagination, the Bible says that it hasn't even entered into our hearts what God has prepared for us already. Amen. Amen. And God wants us to enjoy this health. Okay? And we're going to unpack this in a little bit. So here's the thing. We have a divine destiny. God wants to liberate us. He wants to redeem us. He wants to purify us. He wants to transform us. He wants us to have freedom from the penalty of sin, from the curse of sin, from slavery to sin. He wants us to surrender. The lower way of thinking for something higher. The earthly for the heavenly. The temporal for the eternal. And self-improvement for self-surrender. Here's that thing. Self-improvement. You go into any bookstore or you go on Amazon, right? Uh, you will find just volumes of things for being able to help yourself. Do you know what I'm talking about? Self-help, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. There's a, lot, there's a lot that we can do to help ourselves. And God has given us information that we should help ourselves. But never confuse self-help with God-help. Okay? There are things that God puts in our bailiwick to do, but there are things that we cannot do for ourselves and we have to depend on Him to do for us. So don't substitute what He's calling us to do, to surrender ourselves to Him for just learning how to take care of ourselves. We have shown that we're not really capable of taking care of ourselves very well with all of our knowledge and expertise. God has a divine destiny for us. And that's to return to his plan A. Anybody knows what his plan A was? Living forever in communion with him. We have a glorious destiny to be completely and totally well Lacking nothing that is good. As a matter of fact, the way he calls it is very good. So, let me ask you this question. Was there ever a time 
when human beings were completely well and without disease or dysfunction? Talk to the person next to you, and you have 15 seconds. This is an easy question. Okay. All right. Anyone, just shout it out. Before the fall, right? Before the fall. Okay. So this is one artist's rendition of what it may have looked like before the fall. All right. We call it Eden, right? He called it Eden. Everything there was beautiful and perfect and blissful. And in that, in that setting, God created human beings. And there's a formula. I call it the human formula of how God made us. He started off with dust or clay, right? It's the same word in, uh, in Hebrew. And then he breathed the breath of life, which is, you know, God's secret sauce, okay? Only he knows how to make that one, right? And then the two things combined, and we became a living being. Different from anything else. It's like, it's like uh, making bread. Anybody here uh, likes uh, baking bread? Okay. Yeah, a few people. The smell of baking bread, how many of you like that? Oh, I love it. I love it. Anyway, uh, so what do you make bread with? Let me get over here. Somebody, what do you make bread with? Flour. Okay, so we have flour. What would you like to bring to your bread? Sugar. Sugar. You're going to have some sugar. Now, why do you need sugar for bread? For the yeast, right? For the yeast to do. Okay, so we have so far bread made from flour, sugar, yeast, anything else over here? Water. Okay, so we're going to have some water. Anything else you want to add to this? Salt, a little bit of salt, okay? All right. So let's suppose we were to do an experiment, okay? You guys, you bring the flour, right? You guys, you bring the sugar. You bring the yeast. And over there, we'll have in the front, you bring water. And in the back, you, make, you bring salt. Sounds good? Okay. So let's suppose that we did this tomorrow. We came in here, and uh, uh, Vicky, you, you get some ovens up here. We, we bring all of this stuff together. We mix it. And by the way, you mix it with love, right? Okay? And you get that nice dough, right? And you put it in the oven. You add some energy to it. And the next thing you know, we're smelling this bread, okay? And since most of you like the smell of bread, you know what's going to be happening, especially if we did this before lunch, right? Okay. And uh, I can see we have a lot of people on that side, and they're saying, you know, we've looked, and there isn't enough bread to go around for everybody. We have smart people here. You calculate. You see it's only five loaves. <laughs> no fish, by the way. Five loaves. And you say, no, that can't supply everybody. So these guys say, look, uh, give us the opportunity. We will distribute the bread. What do you think about that? They will distribute the bread. You, you guys say, okay, let them do it. Good. You have, you, you have a good group here. They're trusting. <laughs> they let them do the bread. These guys, by the way, uh, they're not really trustworthy. What they're thinking is they're going to take this bread and they're going to divide it among themselves. And what's left over, you guys will have. There are five loaves. How far do you think that'll go? Not too good, right? 
So is there a lawyer in the group here? Is there somebody who's a, a, a lawyer, law student, or paralegal? Nobody? Ah, we have one. Okay. Paralegal. So you come up with the idea. No, no. I think we should draw straws or something to see who's going to divide. And they say, no, we brought the flour. Can you make bread without flour? No. So they say they're the most important ingredient. They brought the flour. And you say? But you can't make bread without sugar. But you can't make bread without sugar. And, and you say? Bread doesn't taste good without yeast. I mean, it doesn't rise. Right? And these guys say, well, you know, no water. <laughs> How are you going to do that, right? And no salt. Bread without salt. You know, it's, it's kind of, mm, all right, okay. So these guys, they say, okay, after the bread is made, they say, give me back the flour. Give us back the flour. How are you going to do that? Can you take back the flour? Can you take back the sugar? Can you take back the yeast? Can you take back the water or the salt? No. Once it's mixed, you now have a different thing. And this is how God made us. Just an analogy. When we become a living being, we're no longer separated into breath and dust. We become something else. And if we think of health, health involves the entire loaf. The entire thing. It's not just the flour or the water or the sugar or the salt or the yeast. So whatever components we have as human beings, we are one integral entity. And when God wants us to have health, he wants all of us, the entire human being, to be healthy. Make sense? Okay. So this living being idea, it's like with a computer. If you have hardware and software, you put them together and you get it to work. If you have hardware and no software, I'm sorry, you just have a machine that's sitting there doing nothing. If you have software and no machine to put it in, nothing. Right? So it's as if the dust and the clay is, uh, is the hardware and the breath of life is the software. He gives us an operating system and we become living beings. What was it like in Eden? Now, I wasn't there, but from what I read, it was beautiful, it was blissful, everything was working, everything was working as it should work. Everything was working in harmony with each other as it was designed to work. Everything was complete and lacking nothing. And that's a very important idea because at creation, all the relationships were intact. At creation, nothing was broken, nothing was ugly, nothing was decayed. It was good. As a matter of fact, <laughs> God himself says it was good, it was good, it was good, it was very good. It was even to the point that it was perfect after he made Eve. I'm not going to get into that, okay? Uh, there are Hebrew words that describe what this thing is. But later on, God uses a word that the Hebrew scholars of yesteryear and the Hebrew scholars of today say it is the word above any other that describes the state of perfect completion and harmony with nothing going wrong. And that word is shalom. God, when he created human beings, when he created this world, he created it in a state of shalom. 
state of health. Shalom means that the environment is Edenic. We have trust. We have beauty. We have, you know, the animals trust us. We trust them, right? Uh, beauty and harmony. In this Edenic place, there is peace and harmony. No wonder shalom is oftentimes just translated as peace and, and peace and harmony. But it also means nothing lacking. It means that everything is complete. In that environment, the relationships were intact. And here I just have a, a diagram. If you look up, you would see human beings were supposed to relate to God in a very specific way, and we call that worship. And this was something that was going to happen every day. <laughs> he came and he met them and they talked face to face. This was plan A, that human beings and God would have friendship and relationship. He was the father and they were his creation, they were his children. Their relationship was worship. He also gave relationships with each other. And this was a big deal. I mean, Adam, uh, of course, they, I don't know what language they spoke, <laughs> right? But if, if they spoke English, you know, when he went to sleep and he woke up and he was missing a rib and he looked over, he said, whoa, man. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, right? He was okay, all right? God says he was made complete. He called all of this very good because the only thing that he said was not good was for man to be alone, for the, the, the male to be alone. He needed to have a female. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll have some questions afterwards about the, the gender issues, but uh, we, we'll skip that for the time being. Then the issue is uh, how we relate to each other. And the way he wanted us to relate to each other is reiterated in other parts of the Bible, even into the New Testament, that we esteem one another as more important than ourselves. To esteem one, esteem one another as more important than ourselves. Think about that. You know, you're going through line in potluck, and you happen to like apple pie, and today there's an apple pie. You guys think I'm fixated on food, don't you? <laughs> but this is, how many of you like apple pie? Everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like a good apple pie, <laughs> all right? So there's this apple pie there, and you're getting in line, right? And as you get closer, there's, there's only one piece left. And you look around and there are all these other people and you know they're eyeing that apple pie. Okay? Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know you've been there. Okay? Will you esteem one another as more important than yourself? Will you yield that apple pie to the person behind you. We wouldn't call that a test of fellowship, <laughs> okay? You split it in half, okay? You say, here, have a piece, right? But you look behind and there are all these people and you say, you know what, I may as well eat it because somebody has to do it. Somebody has the dirty work here, right? 
<laughs> but to esteem one another as more important than ourselves. This is a very interesting thing. And we, he also had the relationships going down, the relationship with, with the animals, with the other uh, animate creatures, and also relationship with the environment. We were, we were put in charge of this, right? We're supposed to take care of it. This was that Edenic perfection where everything was supposed to be in order, working the way they should. The original intention of God was shalom. Let that sink in for a little bit. And to understand this shalom, shalom is a state of complete health and well-being, harmony, peace, dependability, goodness, etc. Everything that is good. So when we, when we greet each other and we say happy Sabbath, we're only touching the surface. When we say Shabbat Shalom, we're saying everything that is good, may that be yours. Try it out with me. Say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Let that sink into you. Shalom when we greet. God intended for us to greet each other in that way, to wish each other not just well, but to wish each other everything that is good, even our enemies, that we wish them everything that is good. You know how I am sure that that's what God wanted us to do? Because that is exactly what he did. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at enmity with God, he gave his son on our behalf. This is the God that we serve, and this is the health that he wants us to have. We need to have human dependence on God. We need not have independence from God. And we need to have an interdependence with the things that he has provided for us in his creation. This is part of shalom. Everything complete and perfect, but there was one mistake. Now, I don't know if it was an apple, <laughs> okay? Uh, apples are good fruit. I just told you I like apple pie, right? Uh, but I like apples too. I don't think it was an apple. I don't know what the fruit was, but uh, there was a problem, and humankind developed a new reality. Now, there's a reason why we're talking about this that will become clear in about two slides down, okay? The new reality was that human beings realized that they were naked. They started to blame one another. They felt guilty. They had a new knowledge and they couldn't take it back. There was no reverse here. They had fear, and they had need for a remedy. They needed a savior. They did not realize that at the time, but God did. And he provided that for them as he provided for us today. Now the word sin, that's an interesting word. It is not used when Eve fell, 
or when Adam did what he did. It's not used in that part of the Bible. The word sin, uh, from the Greek and from the Hebrew, actually one rendition of it just means missing the mark. Now, what's the mark? It's like the target, right? God had his plan A, and that was the target. The target was to live in harmony with that plan. And what happened? Adam and Eve missed the mark. Therefore, if miss the mark equals sin, that's what happened. Adam and Eve missed the mark, and that's it. Now, my question to you, you don't have to talk to anybody about this. Just think about it for yourself. How often do you miss the mark? Do you think that God has a perfect plan for you? I believe he does for every one of us that's here. You see, if we look at sin in what that meaning suggests, anytime we go outside of the will of God, it's sin. I mean, this becomes kind of serious. <laughs> you know, at the beginning, in Eden, Adam and Eve could do anything. That's what God said. You can do anything. You can go anywhere. You can do anything except one thing. It's like having this whole auditorium and saying to some kids, you can play anywhere in the auditorium except for this area right underneath this. Right, just, just right that spot right there. One inch by one inch square. Right under there, right? And we say, don't touch that square. Now I'm going to ask you, what do you think the kids will do? <laughs> Why you think they'll touch a square? They're part of, yeah, we're fallen human beings. We all know this, that that's what the kids are going to do. So they'll end up kind of meandering. They have the whole auditorium to run and play and do anything. But they'll come and they'll look and they wonder, right? Now think about this. Everything was okay except one, Right? After sin, everything becomes bad except one. The whole plan flipped. How many are righteous? As far as human beings are concerned, no one is righteous. No, not one. There's only one righteous one, and that's Jesus Christ. We have to have our lives hid in him. And if we are in Christ and he is in us, we're okay. 
This is the beginning of an understanding of total health. But it's not the understanding that usually is touted or publicized or made uh, to have a prominent part of what we think. So this is what has happened. Instead of that other diagram with uh, worship going up, being a powerful influence, and people relating to each other being a powerful influence, here we have <laughs> those, those things on the edge is how we relate to ourselves. We're puffed up. We love ourselves beyond comparison. We're selfish. This is the result of sin. And part of my problem is when I forget this, then I realize that the things that I know that I should do, I don't. And the things that I, I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And yes, I can have consolation in that Paul himself talked about that in Romans chapter 7, right? What did he say? The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man, he says, that I am. Who can save me from this body of death? And I'm glad that the Bible does not end in Romans chapter 7. Okay? It goes on to Romans chapter 8 where he says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors. And this is the key that I have found and others have found to health. That we are more than conquerors in Christ. He is able to do far beyond what we can ask or think. When I am depending on him to do what he says he will do, I find it easier to do what I need to do. And when I don't, I have problems. Because I can't. I'm born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And this gives us an idea about the roots of disease. You see, the root of disease, disease is, uh, is being not at ease. And human beings were at ease in Eden. They had the so-called easy life. Everything was working perfectly, right? And then, what caused the uneasiness? Sin. So, we need to understand that there's a simple, profound fact. Sin is the ultimate cause of disease. Can you agree with that? Sin is the ultimate cause of disease. If there were no sin, we would not have disease. Make sense? All right. So now, let's go a little bit further. What was affected by sin? The ground was affected. Internal peace was affected. Plants were affected. Relationships, the response to work, the response to childbirth, animals, food, Everything, all of the study of all of these things, physiology, sociology, chemistry, uh, uh, molecular biology, ecology, theology, every ology was, was, was affected by sin. Every ology. Sin damaged everything. So now, this is where 
you guys have a chance to exercise your God-given talents. First question, true or false? You will talk to your neighbor and you will answer each question. First, sin is the ultimate cause of disease. True or false? Talk to your neighbor and get that one straightened out. Agree? All right, next one. Our personal sin or sins invite disease. True or false? I'm hearing. What do you think? All in favor of true, raise your hand. Any false? We have two false. Would you like to elaborate? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. It's mainly true. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at, at true for now. If we are diseased or ill, it is because we have sinned personally. True or false? Talk with your neighbor. It's not a trick question. Okay. <laughs> I promise not to pick on you, right? <laughs> okay, so let's, let's see if we can have a consensus here. How many say it is true? That is, that if we are diseased or ill, it is because we have sinned personally. Raise your hand. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all right. How, eight. <laughs> How many say that it is false? Okay, the false has the vote. Okay. Do we have any evidence in the Bible of someone who was ill and it was not because he had sinned? Okay, we have Job. What else? The man born blind, right? How did Jesus deal with that situation? Maybe you can give a, a, a mic back there. How did Jesus deal with that situation? Jesus healed him uh -huh. for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Now, what did, what did the disciples, what, what, what was their idea about what was going on? Well, there was a big debate. Uh -huh. Was it this man's sin or was it his parents' sin? Okay, thank you very much. Is there anyone else who, understand, who, can, who can expound a little bit on why they would ask that question? Okay, we have somebody here. It's a little bit of exercise there for you. Because it was a very common thought at the time that if you were ill or poor, that you were not in God's favor, but that if you were well off or, or healthy, obviously God's blessing was upon you. Uh -huh. And uh, this whole situation blew that right up. Okay. Have you guys heard that before? Yeah. And this was, this was apparently the way people thought. And what the, about all those rotten people that are still alive? Ah. Uh, you know, now we have to answer that question, right? Do you think that that's completely changed? That, 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 that idea? That thought pattern that, that the reason that things happen to us is because of our own doing. Okay, what do you guys think? Do you think that that thought has changed? 
that people today know that it's not because you did anything. It's just, this is just how it is. Huh? Anybody? You, you think that's a thought? It wouldn't be sin if it didn't hurt innocent people. All right. You know, we have, we have an issue. Uh, yeah, it originates from sin. And we are sinners because of Satan, right? Okay, true. Well, let me tell you, even, I shouldn't say even within the church. Within the church, okay? There are people who say, oh, that person is, is sick. They must be doing something wrong. Have you heard that before? They must be doing something wrong. Or what have they done to deserve that? Yeah, okay. What have they, what <laughs> what have they, they done? done right? You see, the, the idea then leads us to, okay, so what can they do to appease God so he doesn't do this anymore? Is, is this how, how God works with us? No. That we have to appease him so that we don't get sick? Maybe I should wear one of those amulets to make sure that I don't get sick or something. Or, or I, I, I have penance uh, every morning or whatever so that, so that I don't get sick. We do have a choice, yes. Okay? So, so part, of, part of this, we need, we need to look and see how God really intends for us to look at this. The ultimate issue is that sin is a problem. It is the problem. But not necessarily, keyword, not necessarily, is it my sin that causes my problem. Yes, sir, we have somebody here with a, with a hand up. The opposite of that would be, if he's not sick, he's not a sinner. All right, all right. If somebody's not sick and they're enjoying good physical health, that we say, that person is not a sinner. They're not, they're nothing wrong. Uh-huh. Or 102, 105, okay? Yeah. So, so we, have, we have corollaries that lead us down a theological path that is not what God intended for us. That is not his desired way for our, for our thinking. I have 19 seconds left, okay? How does sin produce disease? We start off in health. We have unnoticed changes. And then we end up with noticeable changes. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, we can be sick and not know anything about it. As a matter of fact, we're all sick. Yes. We're born with an expiration date, and we don't know what that date is, okay? So sin is a major, the major issue when we talk about sickness and disease. And therefore, if we're talking about health and we don't have some idea that sin is involved, then we have missed the point, okay? In heaven and in the earth made new, there will be no more of this because there will be no more sin, right? 
We have genetic factors. We are born with certain things that come to us because sin has changed the genes. Right? So we end up with behaviors and environmental factors and things that change us from being supposedly when we are born in health to being not in health. In fact, we are born with these things in us that we're sick from the time we're born, from the time we're conceived. Because mom and dad, remember, no blaming, <laughs> mom and dad, because they're sick, they pass it on to us. But it's not just mom and dad, as you'll see. It's more than that. And I think I need to stop. Uh, let me just do one more slide, all right? We have things that influence our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. There are things uh, within us, those are intrinsic things, and there are also extrinsic things that affect us. So if we're going to be talking about health, as we will be doing for the rest of the week, we're going to have to look at this in a holistic way framework. You know, Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What does it profit a man to live to 958 years and have a bank account that is huge and lose his soul? It is worth nothing. 900 years might seem like a long time for us, but it's a drop in the bucket for what God's intention is for us. His plan A is for us to live forever. In Shalom. This is what we're going to be unpacking talking about diabetes and hypertension and coronary artery disease and, and so on over the course of the next few days. But this is the backdrop of what we'll be talking about. Okay? I can... I don't see anyone with a burning question. So if we could stand and have a word of prayer, we can end this session. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for unveiling for us through your word and through your prophets your original plan for human being, the original plan for mankind, the original plan for this planet, and for giving us a clear view of this great controversy that's going on that Satan is trying to disrupt and has succeeded in so many fronts to disrupt your perfect plan. But Lord, we can have this confidence and have the faith that you will do what you say you will do. You want to restore us completely. You want us to live a life of shalom. And we can start practicing it today. We thank you for giving us not only 
the will to do, but the power to be able to accomplish what you have set in motion for us. This divine destiny that is ours, we pray that we can apprehend it this week. In Jesus' name, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.